Sweet. All right, I'm ready to go. Do I do our intro music again? Do you want to do it this time? Uh, <laughs> did we decide what song we were going to parody? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, you'll just have to, like, make up a beat on the fly, like we did last time. Well, that was mostly you just, like, beatboxing with your face. And then yeah, but now you can had... beatbox with your face. You have well, a face. I don't know if I can do that, though. You can you just, you just make fart noises with your mouth and you act like it's normal. Blow raspberries and pretend it's cool. The show about disability, by disability, to make you want to have a disability. Yeah, the show that makes you envy disability. We're trying to recruit you to being disabled. Yeah, we're. we're it's easy to, to join. We have devotees. Yeah, and and uh, whatever the other side. What is? Isn't there another thing for people who become disabled? Uh, yeah, like we want people to want to be disabled by the end of this. They're going to be like, wow, that, this whole time, I thought they were like losers. They couldn't even like walk or have friends or play Scrabble. And yeah, now, and they're completely asexual. And yeah, and now only some of that stuff is true. <laughs> and you'll have to listen to every episode to find out. So um, yeah, Cripple Threat, episode two. Where we talk about this time, do you want to do want to get into? Well, I don't know. It kind of all depends uh, what we want to take away from the video that we watched for the purpose of episode two. Well, we watched uh, another Emily Yates video. Yeah, fucking Emily with the cerebral palsy. She, she left her house again. Good for her. She, she was she even driving car. a car. She was driving the car, yeah? She was driving it. You think she was using her foot and everything, or she had, like, some of those little finger finger pedals on the, the wheelchair? I'm not on, sure. On the steering wheel. Um, Emily Yates, our favorite disabled celebrity. Uh, well, yeah. What? Definitely the, the one we've learned about the most recently. Yeah. How many disabled celebrities are there? Uh, let's see. There's, there's Hector Salamanca from Breaking Bad. He's there's... disabled? No, not in real life, but his character is disabled. There's also... Fring. What? I thought I was thinking Fring for some reason. No, no, Gus Fring is not disabled. The bell dude. Yeah, Hector Salamanca is the guy with the chair. Yeah, Yeah, the bell dude. Yeah, who rings his bell. And then there's Walt's son who has cerebral palsy, but it's like a photogenic cerebral palsy where he's like not really spastic. He just has like, like one like kind of lame left foot. And then, <laughs> and then he like struggles he a bit to like get out his words for the purposes of the show too. Huh? Like he's not actually that disabled in real life. And no, he makes it worse for the show. Well, kind of, yeah. I, I, but he has a speech impediment, which is kind of funny. Like he like has like none of the really terrible aspects of CP, but except for the speech impediment and a lame left foot. But does his does his speech is his speech impediment in real life too? I thought he was putting that on for the show. I I don't think so. Oh really? I, I sure fucking hope not. Why? Otherwise he'll be he'll also be the first disabled person to get canceled. No. Although I guess Harvey Weinstein was yeah. using a walker in that one trial segment. <laughs> <laughs> well, you also have there's that show Speechless. That guy is actually disabled, but again, I don't think I think he plays it up a bit for the show. And then there's that other show that was on Netflix recently about the gay disabled dude. Pretty sure he's actually disabled. 
What so gay like, disabled dude on Netflix? Uh, it was a whole show about what was it called? Is uh, that the one where like it's some guy running for like uh? No, uh, not that one. That one was there was a disabled dude in that show. I don't know if he was actually disabled, but he was not the main character. The one I'm thinking of, he was the main character. He was a gay disabled dude. And um, huh, what was the show? Special? Was it called Special? On Netflix? Yeah, it might have been called Special. Did you watch the whole thing? No. I watched. Why did you give up on it? Like, I honestly tried to watch it because I was like, good for them. They have some disability on TV. It's on Netflix, which is awesome. But the content just wasn't that exciting to me. I mean, I'm not gay. Maybe I just didn't really care that much about the his struggle. It was also very like glossy, like that kind of show, you know. Glossy, <laughs> Which I think well produced, like kind of like Disney feel. It kind of oh. had like a bit of like a like Did you the know, show seem proud of the out. fact that it was about a disabled person. Yeah, yeah. He was like, it was like very much. Look at this guy. He can do it. You can do it too. You know, if you can be gay, but. I actually think it's maybe easier to be gay and disabled because hooking up in the gay world seems easier, right? You go on Grindr and there's like people just all over the place being like, I'm six feet away from you, which is as close as I can get to you. I feel like we need we need a gay friend on this podcast yeah. before we start asserting that it's easier to be gay and disabled. Yeah, we can we can definitely I would I would happily assert my side of the argument that it is easier to be gay. And I thought you were going to say guy. it's easier to be gay than it is to be disabled. Oh, is it easier to... No, I don't think that's true. I think it is easier to be gay than it is to be disabled. Uh, For certain things, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely... Yeah. yeah but I mean, like, if, if, you're, if you're just disabled, you don't have to worry about homophobic people. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> but you can like, also say... The same about being gay. Well, you don't have to worry about those stairs everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> you don't have to worry. But no one's ever so ableist that you feel unsafe. Like, unless they're like some proud, like, that's able-bodied true. guy at a bar that's like, like, no, bro, I'll transfer you. <laughs> I'll bring you up on, sta- on stage so you can dance with the rest of the drunk people. Then you can feel unsafe, but mostly... The people who jeopardize you, like, have the best intentions. That's a really good point. Like, if you're gay, people are going to, like, throw rocks at you. And if you're disabled, people are going to run in front of you to get to the door so they can open it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going to trip over you to help yeah. you. <laughs> they're like, and, and they're, sit on your lap to give you a lap dance, but they'll break your leg in the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or they'll try to... They'll try to help you into bed or something, and they'll pull away your chair from you, but instead they'll drive your chair into your shins. Oh, yeah. Oh, I had one person almost destroy themselves, like, driving themselves into my bed, and it was... I felt so bad. Man, I don't even want to relive it, because I still feel guilty. Even though it wasn't anything I did, but, you know, I feel like my chair... If you're going to say, like, your wheelchair is an extension of you, so you shouldn't use it as a footrest. Then you also have to say, if someone runs into you with your wheelchair, then it's your responsible. <laughs> you can't have half of that. If, if someone runs into you with your wheelchair, you're responsible? 
Yeah. Is that what you just said? Yeah. Why? Because you haven't delegated your chair to a responsible, able-bodied person? No, because it's your wheelchair. So it's like, if, because you know how so many people are like, don't use your wheel, a wheelchair as like a footrest, or it's an extension of the person. And if you are encroaching on their personal space, then it's the same thing if you're doing it to their wheelchair. You've heard that before. Yeah, we've heard that, but we don't believe, you don't believe that. I don't believe that. I don't mind if you use my chair, but. I also like physical touch. So like if someone's touching me or touching my wheelchair, it almost feels the same way. <laughs> it's like, oh, they're touching my chair. Mm, they must like me. Yeah. <laughs> if a dude has like his smelly sock feet on my chair, I'm like, get the fuck off my chair, dude. But but if he but if he wears dry socks and then you feel closer to him? <laughs> I think it only applies to uh it would be the same thing as if they put their foot on my lap at that point. Like, dude, I, I think we're getting off topic, Tony. I, yeah, well, the point of this was to talk about the video that we just watched, right? But we can, we can, uh, yeah, why don't you, why don't you discuss what the video was? Okay, well, so the video that we watched, um, was about a, a faith healer named like uh, John Milner or something, Miller M E L L O R. I don't right, know how yeah, much, okay. uh, how much more advertising we want to give this guy well whatever who cares um he has like five thousand videos on youtube of him ostensibly healing people like with uh with like uh non-trivial ailments and several like iconic shots of him like rubbing the forehead of a depressing looking <laughs> a disabled person and then they start to vibrate in a suspect way and then they get up and go for a little jog with him around his Okay, but Date. let's talk about how often you actually vibrate. As how often I vibrate? Yeah. I how mean, probably twice vibrate? a day. Twice a day? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, you mean how often do I spasm? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. Like five times what, a day? What were you referring to? <laughs> I was trying to make a joke. Every once but... <laughs> in a while, you're like, just plugging in the magic wand or something. <laughs> um, See how much deeper you can get it that day? Mom, can I have some dessert? <laughs> if i uh usually if i spasm it's because uh, i put weight on my uh, legs and i wasn't mentally prepared to stand up or i've been startled or i'm playing a video game and i'm really emotionally and physically invested in the outcome or uh or sometimes i spasm because i'm nervous like i i have this thing where my feet wave like in a very specific way if they're like hanging and i'm like incredibly nervous and it's 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 like a it's like a a terrible emotional tell actually i can't what if really you stop are, it what if you have to pee if i have to pee that uh i don't know if i should admit this on the podcast yeah you have to if i have to pee there's like a like a, a great urgency and i basically can't focus on anything until i'm able to relieve my bladder and sometimes it results in this, like, this, like, gesture of, like, I, I don't want to talk about this. <laughs> I know because I think it's a common CP thing. With, I know people with CP who, like, when they have to pee, they kind of, like, just start, like, kind of moving around. But, like, yeah. the whole body just, and I think it's mostly, like, a, you're, like, trying to, like, move your body to distract yourself. Because I yeah. do that, too, sometimes. You know, I really have to pee. I'm just, like... Okay, you know, like, I remember doing laps around my house when there was no one home and I really had to pee. Yeah. Just, like, 
just trying to distract yourself, basically. Yeah. Um, and you run into that situation a lot when you're disabled because like availability of a bathroom is is like a like a daily issue. Yeah. And so you're basically like you feel like you're kind of held hostage by your bladder because it commands all of your attention in the interim between when you actually have to pee and when you have the means to pee. So right. actually, like the 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 bladder is a disabled person's worst enemy. Uh, yeah, like if you're, for me, I I'm always thinking about like my days kind of planned around pee breaks. I'm like, okay, well if I'm leaving at two, means I got to pee at one forty. Yeah, and so that means I need to drink enough water before that that I actually have to pee. But I also don't want to drink so much that I'll pee at one forty. And then an hour later, I have to go again. So right. you gotta like, you gotta, I, I have a system now where it's like about two hours. I can, if I drink a bunch, then two hours later, that's what I'm going to be peeing. That's kind right. of how it works. Yeah. And you just kind of hope that you, like your bladder remains resilient in the long run. Yeah. yeah. I feel like at some point, I'm going to have a leaky faucet for sure. Yeah. I think about that a lot, actually. Yeah, it's not the worst thing, hopefully. But anyway, all <laughs> I said, <laughs> all I said, sometimes it makes me wish that I could just like go and get healed, right? Right. Yeah. Like you really like that would be the first thing that I would want healed. Yeah. Just like then, put your hand on my bladder. Yeah. And make it make myself be able to pee. Give me the power to pee anytime that I need to pee. You, you well, get rid I of the pee. wheelchair later. I don't care about that. But just don't force me to have to wait to go pee. Yeah, I don't want to. I want to be able to pee if I just push a button and like a hole opens up in the bottom of my chair and right. I just pee. Right, that'd be amazing. Yeah, right. And it's totally socially acceptable to do it yeah. anywhere. No one's gonna judge you or. Everyone's not. like, "Oh, he's peeing. Turn away." Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe it's even like a little bit attractive. Oh, he's peeing. Look at him. Look at that guy. Yeah. Do you ever think about like, I'm trying to kind of segue into this, but it also made me think of it when we were watching this video on uh, healing disabled people. Do you ever think about like, uh, just like waking up the next morning and not being like, what would you do if you could walk for a day? Oh, wow. That'd be that's only a day. You're going to be back in your chair the next day. If I could walk for a day. Yeah, or not necessarily walk, but like you have full control of your body. For a day. For a day. Oh, I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't know either. I think I would like, I don't know. Maybe just like go for a run. Okay, but that's the thing. So when we when we were watching this video, John Mellon or Miller or whatever his name is, um, starts healing people. And they, they're in a wheelchair and then he touches their face. They get up. And they start running around, like, pretty quickly. They'll walk mm-hmm. around, and then they'll literally be running around. I, even if I was healed today, I don't think I'd know how to run. Yeah, that would that would definitely take time. No, yeah. You wouldn't yeah, because... walk normally, either. You would look like, kind of like a baby walking. You'd, well, you, it, that would be exactly that. You'd have to figure out your own body for quite some time. Yeah. Just get up and start running around. Unless maybe you were injured and you were able to walk before, so you, so you already knew how to walk. But if you've been in a wheelchair your whole life, you can just, I don't think you can just be healed 
and then just start walking. No, I mean, like I've had extensive surgeries where I've been like in full leg casts for like four months. And then like you you go back to the hospital to get them removed. And then you have like a like a two month regimen of aquatic therapy and like special um, special equipment like to rehabilitate you and re-familiarize you with your own body. And it's a it's a very slow process. And even though you might have enough muscle density even after that like hiatus in the cast to weight bear, it's still it still takes forever and it's still really grueling to get to a point where you feel like you know your own center of gravity and you're self-sufficient on your own to be able to walk. So that, yeah, that that would be a pretty decent indicator that uh, these faith healers are full of shit. Yeah. Well, okay, so let's talk about the video a bit more because I feel like we have to lay the groundwork a bit about what we saw. We just watched it. I'm still kind of processing it because I think it would be hilarious to go to one of these things because I'm pretty sure they would touch you but not me because I feel like they'd look at you and be like, Okay, we can make this guy do something. Yeah, we could probably at least stand him up on his legs for a few seconds and ask him whether or not he's still in pain. Yeah, just be like, oh, do you feel smarter? (laughs) And they'd look at me and they go, yeah, my hands aren't big enough for that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm going to need need, an oven mitt. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult to say. Like, um, I'm sure, like, I've I've heard stories of... um, faith healers uh, who have had like international acclaim in the United States. Um, And I can't remember the guy's name right now, but there are like, there's a bunch of other podcasts that cover these uh, white collar criminals and con artists. And like, they will basically have these families that follow them around obsessively and um, they will refuse to treat the individual for some like, uh, st- stupid reason basically right. to try to hide the fraud, and uh, it would be interesting to see how they would react to you. This 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 uh, Neller guy does whatever he can to kind of uh, seem like benevolent and uh, caring, but also like to distance himself from his ability and just to not really like promise anything and just sort of present himself as a good-natured guy who wants to yeah. help. He's very charismatic. Yes. Well, Which he's very is warm. A, yeah, he's warm. He's he's able to to be compassionate. Um, you know, he, he does seem understanding. But you kind of have to be at least some of those things to for people to follow you, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like faith healers are basically part of the cult of personality same same thing that celebrities and uh like other high profile personalities feed off of but the interesting thing about this guy is that um he's so seemingly innocuous that the bbc segment itself has trouble positioning him as a fraud um and it kind of um it asserts very clearly that they can find no evidence that he's actually healed people but it also doesn't really uh, attempt to produce that kind of gotcha moment where they uh, confront him with the truth. So I don't know. I, I guess it's unique in in that way. Um, 
But why did we watch this like from the vantage point? Well, first of all, because of Emily Yates. Yeah, because we want to know what the hell Emily Yates is doing. Like, we uh, want I, to I be wanna... her friend. If yes. we can get her on the podcast, I mean, could you imagine? That would be amazing. amazing. Yeah, we we could. I feel like the the she has the perfect balance of curious, cynical, and open minded. Like she she's open to these experiences. You could see that she gave a couple smirks at the camera, like this is hilarious. I'm actually here, guys. I can't yeah. believe I'm doing this. But then she went up. She was open minded. She stood on her feet. It's more than I would say that I would do. Like, I'd probably get up there and be like, come on, guys. Like, ooh, I'm good. Just, I'm just here to watch. I don't even think I want you to touch me. But she, she's very open-minded. The thing is, okay, well, I've definitely been approached by people who have tried to heal me. Has that ever happened to you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think it's a pretty common dis- disability disability experience. Yeah. Um, I've been like, obviously you get approached, like if, if you're a disabled person who spends any amount of their day-to-day lives, like in public transportation or just walking down the street, like, I, I don't know if you're not a house wheelie, then house you will, wheelie. if you're an outdoor wheelie, yeah, if you're an outdoor wheelie, <laughs> you will definitely meet people who will try to inspire you and who will approach you purely on the basis that you are disabled and try to offer you some some kind of proverbial wisdom to to keep your like self-loathing or pity or whatever it is that they think you suffer from at bay. Yeah. I remember uh, so, I... No, go ahead. Uh, yeah, like one time in, in 2011, many years ago, but it was super memorable to me, I was approached by a, um, like, I guess he was a priest or pastor mm-hmm. or some kind of like a... Um, uh lord follower yeah some kind of personality he basically had a seminar at the hotel that uh, my friends and i were staying at i we just went to minneapolis because it's a few hours away from thunder bay where i live and uh you can go there and get a slice of americana and it feels like a bigger city but instead of driving 16 hours to the nearest bigger city in ontario you just go to you know minneapolis and uh have a uh, go to the mall of America and have a great time. Anyway, um, I was approached by this guy while I was like doing push-ups in a in a hotel gym, and I was kind of like waiting for my friends to finish on the treadmills. And this guy like came up to me and he like shook my hand and he introduced himself and he said he was like I would like to help you today. And then he said he's like I would like you to sit down with me. And so, you know, I got up on my chair and then he like put both his hands on my hands and he said, I want you to repeat this after me. And he said, uh, or to repeat after me. And he said, uh, I will walk again someday. And so I said this three times and then he hugged me. Did you say the, the same way you're saying it now? No, I didn't repeat. I, I didn't <laughs> re- repeat his accent back. In- I will walk again someday. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I really want to but my friends kind of like were watching this happen and uh, they didn't like intervene or interrupt or anything. They just sort of like were watching and laughing. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, no one else was in the gym, so it wasn't like a huge spectacle. So I, it wasn't really embarrassing for me. And 
the guy's intent was pure. Like he he just wanted to yeah. he like you know he just wanted to make a connection and give me some hope, I guess. And he probably left that gym being like, I just saved his life. Yeah. I, he's gonna be walking and it's gonna be because of me. I yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I've had all right, I'll tell you my story. My story, I mean, obviously I've had a bunch of these priests for sure. I've been in the hospital and had police come over and they did talk to me in various languages and put their hand on various parts of my body. Well, you know, not all the priest parts, but like some of them. And um, they, <laughs> one time I had a guy, I was in a park uh, with some friends and they were going to the bathroom. So they were in the outhouse and I was just waiting around in the park and some guy came up to me and Oddly enough, he had the exact same accent. It might have been the same guy. He was like, I'm going to heal you. I want you to know if you go to the hospital and see your doctor on Wednesday, you will be healed. And I was like, Wednesday? I think I'm busy Wednesday. And he's like, you have to go Wednesday. And he was like, I I am the son of something, someone. He was like telling me his credentials. He's like, don't worry. I'm not just your everyday healer. I am a legit healer. And he told me if I went to the doctor on Wednesday, I'd be healed. And you know what? One of my biggest regrets in life is that I didn't go to the doctor on Wednesday. Did you even have a family doctor that you could have gone to at that point? I did. And I uh, I never booked an appointment. I didn't even try. You know, like, what if I went to the doctor? <laughs> Imagine, like, you go to the doctor and they're like, why are you here? Is it like, what's the problem? Oh, actually, I feel pretty good. But uh, I saw this guy in the park and he told me if I came here today, I'd be healed. So I'm here. And there's like, uh, imagine though, if you were like, we've been waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> we left We left our appointments open for today. We knew this would happen. Um, yeah, so I, that's a, I've definitely been approached by faith healers. But I, I try to keep an open mind because I don't know, like... Uh, what if what if it's real? I don't think it's real for the record. Your doctor's like, yeah, we received this uh requisition today for a miracle. <laughs> go ahead and perform one for you. <laughs> like, yeah, we got we got the order in. <laughs> Just go let me change. They come in and another priest. And then that same guy's there. And yeah, she just works at the doctor's office. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that was one of the things that they said in the video. I was like, well, what would you say to all the people who think that what you're doing is a scam or, you know, you're taking advantage of people? Basically, how do you address the haters and the non-believers? And his response kind of annoyed me. It was just like, well, ask those who have been healed. Yeah, it's like, there are none. Well, even if there are, it's not the same as being like, what do you say to all the people who would tell you that there's no such thing as Bigfoot? It's like, well, go ask anyone who's seen Bigfoot. It's like, the people who have seen Bigfoot will tell you that there is Bigfoot. It's like, any any theory, you can just be like, well, just ask the other people who believe with me. Doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I, I think the most interesting part of this video was when, at the end, Emily got to actually sit down with the guy and just showed up kind of one-on-one there's no crowd. It's just the two of them and the camera and his wife. Yeah. And she just got to like talk to him. 
yeah i i kind of appreciated that he was willing to to do that to begin with and that the the interview didn't really seem overly edited although like that's always difficult to tell i guess yeah but it did seem like i said before it wasn't really like gotcha journalism or anything it wasn't trying to embarrass him no. uh, and she even says throughout the interview that she likes him as a person yeah so, well, he is I a mean, good that's guy, kind of interesting. It, like. it does seem like, like you said, like he does seem like a pretty good guy. And I don't think that his, uh, I don't think his goal is necessarily to just make as much bank as he possibly can. I'm sure he's making enough money to have a good living. But I also think that he believes that he's healing people. And even if he doesn't heal them, but he makes them feel better, then that's a win in his books. I guess the question, the, the question is, is like, uh, does the hope provided by this person like outweigh the, the pain that he causes with his dishonesty? Like, like, is it unethical to even suggest to people the idea that they could be healed uh, when we know they can't be? Well, the, the thing is, there are people who we saw some clips of people being like, I feel great. I, I don't have any pain. All the pain that I did have when I walked in here is gone. Those are usually like very minimal things that you would just be healed anyway. Right. Like he isn't he isn't healing me for sure. And there was that one guy that they showed at the very end who has been trying to get his help for a while. And who seemed to know that there was no chance that he could be healed by this individual. Yeah. But yet he's still kind of drawn, like I guess the hope that this person offers is contagious. I guess when you're surrounded by medical professionals and by like, you know, family members who are grieving before you've even died, it, it, like you're kind of drawn to uh, uh, the very idea that life could be better. Yeah, I think that's where it gets really sad is when it's the people who are on their last legs, literally. and they they have no other hope and all they're hoping for at this point is a miracle. That's so sad to me. Because, but she addressed that with him. She was like, well, what about this one guy who we've been, uh, we've been talking to? And she was, she was like, yeah, I, I, I don't know what happened to him. I feel like, uh, oh, it's a mystery to me too. <laughs> so, okay. Um, these two skits that we've watched with Emily Yates, right? One about devoteeism and the other about faith healing. Um, they kind of speak to like two aspects of the disabled experience that are um, really essential, but also quite, uh, what's the word? Like well-trodden. Well um, yeah. And so <clears throat> the very, okay. so It's like low-hanging fruit almost. Yeah, exactly. One is like uh, examining like disability and sexuality, like uh, to an extreme, such that like you know an able-bodied audience might be comfort might be pretty comfortable approaching the subject. And then the other is uh, healing disability and and like the kind of like weird satisfaction we get from uh, confronting like uh, con artists or swindlers or whatever. Um, but what kind of bothers me about 
this segment, I guess, is how it reinforces the idea that disabled people are like obsessed or fixated on who they would be were they not disabled. Uh, and that we spend a lot of like mental uh, energy, like basically thinking about what our lives would be like without disability. Do like, you, you know, that do we you ever think want about to that? Be cured and that we don't have many experiences outside of disability that uh, that are like worth that are like of note, I guess. Yeah, well, my biggest takeaway was that the, uh, well, I mean, I think that there are a lot of disabled people that would agree with that, like that would say, I mean, I, I, would you say that you're, if you were able to not be disabled tomorrow, would you take that? Yeah, without question. If, but if, and if someone, John Miller could do it for you. Well, okay. What if they said to you, okay, tomorrow you will wake up an able-bodied man. Yeah. But then all of your experiences as a disabled man will also be erased. As in, tomorrow you will wake up having lived your life up till now as an able-bodied person. But you just forget everything? No, you don't forget everything. You're just, you are just who you would have been had you not been disabled. Yeah, I don't know if I would sign up for that just because I don't know what that would be. Yeah, you like, would Like, what if I'm like a dumb basketball jock? I feel like that's kind of what I would have been. Because that's kind of like, if I look at where I started, I grew up in like Scarborough and I, that was kind of the vibe. Everyone just, like, like literally people were getting stabbed over Jordans in my neighborhood. That was, that was the, the life. And if I got wrapped up in that, and I was stabbing people over Jordans or getting stabbed over them, yeah, I don't think I'd have a very substantive personality. Um, you probably would be like as substantive as you are right now and probably as funny. You'd probably just... Uh, well, if that's true, then wh- what? why wouldn't I take that deal? I don't know. Uh, because, I don't know, because we are the accumulation of our experiences. Yeah. And so without those experiences, you are a different person. Yeah, I think you'd be a complete... You can't even pretend to, to figure out who you would be. That's true. So, like, you, I don't know. It, it, what if it was like, yeah, I mean, this this game is literally never ending. You could, it's like that. Um, what if you were exactly who you would be and you're able-bodied? You're, you're exactly who you are now. You're able-bodied, but you have a collection of dolls in your bedroom, like porcelain dolls. <laughs> would, you, would you take the deal? What does that mean? There would have to be some context for the porcelain dolls. No. It, Are you asking me if I could tolerate being the type of person who likes porcelain dolls? Yeah, I'm saying it's like, is that a deal? If someone was like, dude, okay, I'm, I can cure your, your CP. You're going to be fully able-bodied tomorrow. You're going to be exactly who you are now, except for this one catch. Your bedroom is going to have shelves on shelves of porcelain dolls. Like for me, like a and huge you show would be like, like you love them. That's the thing. You'd love these dolls. And I have to live my life like being open about the fact that I love yeah. porcelain dolls. So do you take the dolls or do you take the wheelchair? Deal <laughs> or no deal? 
I, I don't think I could do that, dude. <laughs> no, okay, well, so I was going to like, my example would have been like, all right, so you're like, you're not disabled, but your favorite show is the Big Bang Theory and you're very vocal about it or something like that. Uh, I think I, I would take that deal. <laughs> I'd be fine. Like, even if like I had Sheldon posters on my wall. Oh, God. I'd figure it out. You you you, you just love Jake like Parsons. Can, if I had my personality, I'd find a way to just be like, yeah, man, this guy's hilarious. What a what hilarious thing. <laughs> You're saying you're cool enough to make Jim Parsons not seem lame? Yeah, I like some, I like, you know, pull all the moves, bring some girl home. We get to the bedroom. And she's like, wait, why are these Jim Parsons, uh, why, why is every poster in your bedroom like a Big Bang poster? You'd be like, but you don't like Big Bang? <laughs> and then she's like, well, I mean, it's all right, but it seems like a lot, no? She's like, I'm like, all right, well, let me just tell you all about Big Bang. I like bust out. Some facts about Big Bang that blow her mind. Like, wow, are you really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like that's not a deal breaker. Okay, what about you're fully able-bodied, same deal. But the catch is every time you fart, you, like, get really excited. Call all of your friends and tell them that you just farted. And then you, like, rate it on a scale of 1 to 10 every time. And they're like, dude, shut up with this. It's not funny, but you think it's the most funny thing. And it, it, you call everyone in your contacts. You run in, you wake up your parents, you tell them, and they're like, Jamie, it's 3 a.m. Go to sleep. And you're like, I just farted. And like, <laughs> we don't care. But you're able-bodied. <laughs> you should take the team. <laughs> <laughs> we, we could do this all day. It's like, what if you had to cope with this extraordinary game. character flaw, but you're able This is my new favorite game. It's like what? deal breakers, but like for disabled people. You're asking me if I'm willing to be a loser. <laughs> <laughs> like, would you rather be in a legs. wheelchair or just be obsessed with your own farts? <laughs> <laughs> the answer is obviously no. I mean, I'm not that proud. The question is... What would the you question, what, what the question we have to ask think? ourselves, and maybe this is an incredibly neurotic question to ask to begin with, but the question to ask is how responsible do we think disability is for those aspects of our lives that are lacking to the point where uh, uh, we are unhappy? No, the question you have to ask yourself is would you take <laughs> <laughs> would you take an obsessive Fart disorder over <laughs> cerebral palsy. <laughs> I don't want to be a loser. <laughs> I just what, wanna... where do you think the, the line is? Okay, what if you were fully able-bodied? Like, you know, I don't have to repeat this part every time, but like, <laughs> you're exactly who you are now, fully able-bodied. So you have full control of your body, but you're a fucking gorilla with your hair. You, you have to like shave your unibrow twice a day at least. In order to get rid of it, you're if you don't shave twice a day, you get like a full beard. Your arms are just covered in hair. Legs are just covered. Back is covered. And like laser doesn't help. Shaving helps, but like for 12 hours. I don't know. I feel like there are grosser aspects of me that I have to cope with on a daily basis. So you would take that deal? I would, yeah. Yeah, you would take that. So we found something. But you wouldn't enjoy your own farts. 
<laughs> I don't know, man. It's all a thing of like how much of your person is tied to your mobility. And I don't know. I I don't think I don't I don't think the percentage is high. <laughs> well, it depends. Like if you grew up able-bodied and you grew up in a place where there was a lot of physically active activities around and you started doing them and you really enjoyed them and then maybe you enjoy and then you keep pushing the envelope and chasing the dragon you're addicted to that like adrenaline rush you get from physical exercise physical exertion you like hiking and then you like zip lining and then you like skydiving yeah i think that at that point if you were disabled and i asked you if you would have a bunch of dolls to be able-bodied again, you'd say yes. But that's fine. I'll take the dolls out with me on the hikes. When I think about uh, about whether I want to be more physically able, most of the time I would I would prefer to be mobile for not for my own purposes, but for someone else. Yeah, I think about that too. Like I'm just like, oh, I wish I could just do the dishes right now. Yeah, like, it would be so. And I think it's easy to say that because I don't actually have to do the dishes. But <laughs> I, <laughs> wish, like, oh, I wish I could do the dishes. I can't. I'll be in here playing video games. See ya. <laughs> oh, I sure wish I could scrub the toilet bowl. Yeah. Oh, oh shit. God. Oh, well. I'll be over here. See ya. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think about that a lot. Like, oh, I wish I could just like get in a car and drive over to your house and see you, you know? Oh, I wish I, don't I have was to, like kind of like this. I mean, I mean <laughs> never mind, it doesn't apply to this. Okay, okay. Let's play one more of these games, because I'm having a great time. <laughs> what if you were fully able-bodied, you know? Perfect body. You're like... But you like, had a disabled dick? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Not even. Your your dick is flawless. It's like it's people, flawless. Write, people write books about your dick. You could get a job in the industry immediately if you wanted to. Um, and you are super good at cunnilingus. Like people, you, you could give the, you could write the book, but you're so good at it that you have a forehead tattoo that tells everyone how good at it you are. And you have it to just says, it well, it's a tattoo, oh. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's true. The tattoo says, I am super good at cunnilingus. But the thing is, it's actually true. You're super good at it. But you're also able-bodied, you're super hot, and the, the tattoo is so big that you can't just wear a hat. At that point, you have to become like some kind of like MTV celebrity. So do you take the deal and get the job? I guess. No, I, <laughs> I don't know. That, that would be too embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you're analyzing this as if I have the power to make this deal come true. Like if you said yes, all of a sudden you have the tattoo and you're like, what? <laughs> Like you're the genie or something. <laughs> yeah. You just like sign off and then you look in a mirror and like, oh no. <laughs> but then you also immediately go try it to make sure you actually have the skills. And everyone's like, what? That was amazing. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. That's why I got the tattoo. <laughs> Sorry, I feel like we were we probably could um address this in a deeper way, I guess. But um I I think that if I had been able-bodied my whole life, my mobility would be a lot more important to me than it is now. I oh, think it it's not would. important to me because it, I haven't had the opportunity for it to be important to me. Yeah, but like society also teaches able-bodied people 
that becoming permanently disabled is is worse than death in a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, that's true. And I think it's different. We talked about this before, but like if you acquire a disability and your identity up until that point was very hinged on your mobility, then your disability is going to really be hard to mentally overcome. But yeah. if you've always been pretty disabled or your level of disability has it is such that you don't have to miss your past abilities a lot, then then I don't think it's as big of a deal. You just kind of grow into who you are the same as everyone else does. Yeah, you're able to still leverage like your strengths as an individual and and not to necessarily feel Yeah. It's like um yeah, but I think that's kind of the same journey that everyone is on, you know, like everyone's just kind of trying to figure themselves out, try new things and try different approaches to those things and like, you know, I don't think it's I don't think it's that different being disabled like you're just kind of still being human, you know? But I mean, I, that game is so fun to me. Like it's like deal breakers, you know? Have you ever played deal breakers? <laughs> like uh isn't that like uh what if you could date someone like this but they also are like Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same concept. But like what if it was you and you're the, you are the dream version of yourself except also this thing. <laughs> I don't know. Did you have any uh any other takeaways from the video though? Uh not really, I guess. Um I am fascinated by the existence of people like this. Like this like, uh, Yeah. Yeah. Like the the very fact that they are so evidently frauds, because we all know deep down that if someone was able to perform miracles, that they would become like, you know, among the most important people on the planet. But we all just mm. kind of want like hope at some point. It's it's like it's like higher up on our hierarchy of needs just to like have purpose and hope. And so yeah, I don't know. Uh what if Jesus was a faith healer and like people like went to his stuff and watched him heal and there was people like us being like, This guy's a fraud. Are you kidding me? Water into wine, get out of here. They were just he had food coloring his sleeves. We know what's going on here. Well, I mean, I guess it does raise like interesting uh, questions about like the uh, effects of placebo and stuff like that. Yeah, that's something that I really, that I was thinking about while we were watching it because placebo to me is super interesting. The fact that a placebo will work even if the person taking it knows that it's a placebo. That's so crazy to me. Like the body will do things to heal itself if it's in a certain frame of mind. Yeah, it's like uh, like if you say, hey, this is a placebo, but, you know, try it, see what happens. They'll try it, and they'll be like, I actually feel pretty good. And, you know, there's there are those edge cases of people becoming paralyzed or whatever who seemingly have willed themselves to be able to walk again. There are those cases. And obviously, like, I'm pretty skeptical. I'm always like, yeah, but, you know, maybe that's just lucky. Maybe it wasn't completely severed or whatever. But, I mean, we also don't know, like, what the brain is capable of. The brain just kind of 
is learning about itself, right? The brain is kind of that like machine learning algorithm. You feed it some information and it chews on it, but like it named itself, it wrote the books about itself, where, you know, it's not like that profound to say any of that, but it is fascinating to think about the fact that um, we just, I don't think we've even scratched the surface on what the brain is capable of. Um, spirituality kind of puts people, um, spirituality can help people to uh, engage in thought patterns that like are explored in cognitive behavioral therapy. You know, like they can help you to think positively and the very act of thinking positively uh, can re reduce stress and have all these physi physiological consequences that can better you and alleviate anxiety and alleviate um, strain and stress and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so, yeah, I think it's just like an avenue toward a healthier mindset for a lot of people. And I think that's what these faith healers kind of offer. Yeah. Um, it's but, like you're forcing yourself to make a decision to do something for yourself. Right. Which in itself is doing something for yourself. It's like when someone kind of starts to feel depressed or whatever, maybe they'll take up exercise or a new diet change. And maybe it isn't necessarily the diet or the exercise that entirely is what's responsible for making them feel better. It could also be the mindset of like, oh, I'm back in charge. I'm in the driver's seat. Yeah. I'm pushing the boat, you know? Yeah, I can affect I can affect uh the outcome of my day yeah. positively. And not just a passenger. So to that end, it is like a very cool thing because it does give people hope. And some people are uh positively affected by it. The the negatives are that some people are also negatively affected by it, including financially. And you can argue that those people chose to donate or whatever. But when you're a hope dealer, then it's it's a weird trade because those people have nothing left. So they will mortgage their own house sometimes to afford to pay for the donation to hopefully help this person. Yeah, and I'm kind of frustrated with Emily Yates for pursuing these... Uh these like hot button disabled topics. Like I want an episode where she's like, today I'm going to find out how easy it is for me to get groceries from my local grocery store without asking for assistance. You'd really watch like, that? Pardon? You would watch that? I would totally watch that. She looks like the coolest wheelie ever. So it's just you 25 just minutes of her being like... Are you a devotee, dude? <laughs> I want to watch you struggle to pick your bananas out. Yeah. She's like, I really want to get that um, that special kind of... Uh, Bam. Yeah, or butter chicken sauce from the third uh, row of the grocery store aisle. Unfortunately, I can't reach up there, but I'm determined to not ask for help. So yeah. I'm going to be climbing these shelves. <laughs> <laughs> It's on the bottom shelf. I will throw myself onto the floor and reach in down. I mean, I would actually watch that, to be honest. But I don't think uh, 
I don't know what we would learn from that. I don't know. I, I, I'm just personally encouraged by seeing another disabled person function uh, like effortlessly. In the oh, yeah. There was that one moment where she was getting her wheelchair out of the car. Yeah. Like, hey, we didn't see the whole clip. Yeah, what are you yeah. doing? How'd you do that? It, it cut like three times while she was <laughs> grabbing the chair. I bet you she had been attended thing. in the back. You were like, she's not doing that herself. She had not attended in the back. I'm sure of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> they cut at really convenient points. You know, like in the one shot, she like uh, reclined her chair a little bit. And then suddenly the, the whole frame of the chair was in her arms. And then, <laughs> and then in the next shot, she was out of the chair and in the chair. Out of her well, car. Yeah, but otherwise, it might have been a 45 minute video of just her getting out of the chair. I, I would watch the whole 45 minutes, Tony. What if there is an attendant in the back? Who cares? Oh, she's a fraud. <laughs> you don't even you the, the attendant is on the floor pushing the pedals with her hands of the car <laughs> driving. Making it look like she could push a manual chair. Yeah. No, of the car. Oh. Like pushing the gas in the brake pedals. It's like a Fred Flintstone car. <laughs> yeah. She's like reaching over the passenger seat and she's Oh, that scene where like they like stand her up and and yeah. like she very clearly will never ever wait bear on her own ever. No. Like she'd sooner like break both her ankles neath the weight of her calves. And the guy just kept trying to straighten it out. Yeah, and oh she's... my god. Oh. She was like, like a true. You know how many again. rods it would take to straighten that shit out? <laughs> <laughs> how many surgeries have you had again? Oh, way too many. I hit my life. <laughs> but not enough to be a clown collector. <laughs> Imagine I get out of my neck surgery and I'm like, give me the dolls, Tony. Give me the porcelain dolls. I fart this. every day. I don't care. I'll tell everyone how much I love my farts. <laughs> I'll sew a Make America Great Again hat to the, my forehead. <laughs> oh, man. I would, if that was the deal, man. I would let let me roll. I would for sure. I don't even need to think about it. If that was the only thing was I had to wear a mega hat, I could easily play it off as ironic, and <laughs> and then I would lose the people who are like, "That's not a funny joke." But like, whatever. Let's what if move on? What if you could be like an incredibly attractive, like really suave, really capable, uh, like able-bodied doctor? But you had to be a registered sex offender. <laughs> so you have to tell all your patients. You have to be like, just, I just want to let you know, I'm very qualified here. I will be performing your surgery. But before I put you under, I just want to tell you, I am a registered sex offender. <laughs> and they're like, wait, what? All right, just count backwards from 10. Nine, <laughs> eight. Like, wait, what? Seven, six. <laughs> Is this a cancelable joke? Oh no. I don't think so. Nobody's even listening to this in the first place. That's true. But I, I mean, if they are and not a cancelable joke, then come at me with your emails, I guess. I, I, I'll happily discuss any person's opinion, and I'll happily use that to potentially change my own. But I also believe that I would wear a mega hat and um, wait, I didn't answer the question. Would I be that doctor? <laughs> That's such a funny scenario. <laughs> I don't think so. 
Because, like, nobody's ever going to be like, oh, that's cool. No one you ever want to hang out with. We're yeah, like, yeah, all right with that. There's no one that's going to be like, don't worry about it, bro. I've been there. <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> like, there, there's no way you can talk your way out of that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, like, I just want to... It's a funny story, let me tell you. I used to be disabled. Now I'm a sex offender. <laughs> and like, wait, bye. Yeah, you can't talk yourself out of that one. <laughs> I guess it's kind of like the Dave Chappelle joke about like, what if there was a superhero who like saved like tens of thousands of lives, but like, um, like sexually assaulted people. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's basically that same scenario. <laughs> I don't think there's a way to talk yourself out of it. I don't, and then the people, like you said, the people that are, like, cool with it are not the people you want to be friends with. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah bro, I'm, really on, I'm on the list, too. I was actually the first one on the list. They created the list for me. I don't think you'd ever be able to. Uh, no. Man, I want to play this game again, like, forever. What's like, another scenario? Like, podcast? Yeah, I feel like, what's another scenario that we can, like, end with? Uh, I don't know, that was the best one. I can't think of a better one than that. There's <laughs> 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 the idea of, like, doing surgery, putting someone to sleep, and while you're putting the mask on their face, oh, by the way, I just have to tell you this. <laughs> There's a list and I'm on it. And then you just find, like, sneaky ways of telling people eventually, because it's, like, your curse. So you just like slip it into your doctor's notes. Be like, here, I wrote this report. You might want to read it. Uh, it just goes through, you know, what we talked about today, the medical history and the fact that I'm a sexual predator and like the medication you should be taking. <laughs> just in the fine print at the very bottom. Yeah. You just have to like sneak it into conversations. Like, oh, like two truths and a lie. Oh, you know, I've never broken a bone. I mean, I've been in a movie. I'm a sexual predator. <laughs> <laughs> Never have ever. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, like, I feel like this uh, pretty well defines where we're going with this podcast. If uh, if you're not a fan, no. <laughs> you never will be. Yeah. It only gets more disabled from here. <laughs> should we? Uh, should we? Should we end it there? Should we sign off and do our do an outro? Do you want to do an outro song? What was the song music? that we were gonna? Yeah, we'll have some. We don't have any yet, but we can. Do some weary. Jamie Mandy. Anthony McAuliffe. But then, like, uh, we have to figure out what that song was that we were going to parody. I remember. Yeah, we'll, we, we will work on writing a parody song for the next episode. Yeah, well, it'll be, it'll be awesome, too. That will be how, yeah. Tune in. It'll be great. <laughs> I feel uh, like I have a bunch of songs on the tip of my tongue. I just never think of them. Yeah, I mean, we could do, like, Ironic for sure. That's an easy one. Oh, yeah. That's one we were trying to do. Yeah. yeah. It's like Braille by the drive through bank. <laughs> uh, I don't know what else. Handicap parking at a skating rank. <laughs> <laughs> It's a cool ramp at the bottom of stairs. Who would have thought? I figured. What a great song. 
right. <laughs> Who would have thought? Disfigured. <laughs> and that is episode two of Crippled Trent. Tune in next week for more cancelable jokes. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. My hand fell off the joystick and now I have to stop recording with my voice. I wonder if Roddy's going to leave that part in. Just me going six, four, three. Wake <laughs> <laughs> Then he'll make that the theme music for the podcast. <laughs> Wake up microphone. Mouse one. Show flags. Mouse four. Click. Mouse one. Mouse click. Mouse one. Seven one click. Click.